Okay, I think we'll get started. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, we originally titled this Integrating Healthcare and Church Planting, but then we thought, if you guys grabbed a handout on the way in, we uh, changed it to uh, Integrating Healthcare and Church Development because we felt that some people, church planting might conjecture something very specific. But we're really just saying, how, how can we integrate healthcare and the church together? Um, so life often is trying to find a path between two extremes. You know, we see this in areas from politics. We've just seen that recently in the election. You know, parenting, the practice of medicine. And healthcare missions is no different. There's just been this pendulum which swings between uh, hospital-based care to community-based care um, and that type of thing, or its prominence within missions. Is this something central, a, a really uh, powerful tool for missions, or do we see that as more of a marginal or specialized thing? So it's that balance, finding that, um, that balance as that pendulum swings back and forth. For us, um, we're part of OMF International, or what used to be called China Inland Mission, and just prior to China Inland Mission's exit from China back in the 1950s, our mission statement was, the China Inland Mission was founded for the purpose of preaching the gospel throughout the provinces of China by means of, and the three things, evangelistic, educational, and medical activities. So it was central. It was very central um, to the advance of the gospel in, in China um, at that time. And that conviction led to the establishment of Manorum Christian Hospital in central Thailand in the 50s. It was, made, it was formed to minister to the needs of lepers at the time that didn't have um, the specialized medical care that they needed, but also because there's no church in the area. Um, so it was, it was formed to, um, to see that church established through the ministry of the hospital. And yet, 50, 50 years later, things changed. And um, for various reasons, the hospital was closed and the field adopted uh, other methods of outreach outside of, um, outside of uh, healthcare ministry. I, I think, yeah. There were, yeah. So he asked, were there churches that were planted as a result? And I don't know if Neil will get into that specifically. If he doesn't, we'll, we'll circle around to that. But um, yeah, yeah, thanks for that. Um, but um, I think, I think for, for us here, we realize that it doesn't have to be an either-or proposition. You know, it can be an and. And just finding who we are as individuals, how we, how we see the gospel advancing ourselves, and then finding organizations that can espouse that, um, that vision and enable its members to, um, to integrate healthcare missions into, into their church development. So um, our objectives today is to explore some of the biblical foundations of healthcare missions, uh, identify how healthcare missions has aided church development in several different settings, and then formulate ways to incorporate healthcare missions into field strategies. So we're going to do this as a panel, um, and uh, let me just let David introduce himself. Yeah, my name is Dave. Um, background is in family medicine, and um, uh, in the mid-90s, I moved with my family to um, an East Asian country, <laughs> creative <laughs> access, um, 
uh, wife and three kids, and we worked there for 20-plus years. Um, during that time, we worked with two different organizations. One was a business, and one was an NGO. Um, uh, personally, the things I was involved in, in clinical care, we had rural and urban health uh, projects going on, uh, and um, uh, training health workers, uh, GP training, um, as well as discipleship and helping form like local medical fellowships and, and things like that. Um, again, the, um, during that time, our work was largely done in cooperation with local government officials, and so the projects uh, were often either initiated by government uh, departments or done with the permission of government offices. Mm. Thanks. My name is Neil Thompson, and my throat's not working well today, so please bear with me. <coughs> I was I, uh, trained as a general surgeon, and uh, God called me to Monoram Christian Hospital in central Thailand, the hospital that David referred to. And I got there about halfway in its history. When it had been started, it had been, uh, it was the, it was the, um, the vision of OMF to see um, medical work and evangelism go hand in hand in a Buddhist country where the gospel didn't make sense, uh, the good news didn't make sense, grace didn't make sense, uh, forgiveness didn't make sense. And many of the Thai who did come to know the Lord, hearing the gospel didn't make sense to them. But when they saw the gospel demonstrated through medical care, when they saw missionary doctors and nurses actually touch leprosy patients who hadn't been touched for ever, um, something stirred in their heart and they saw that something was very different. And some of them came to know the Lord. And so the medical work was, uh, I think, really demonstrating the life of Christ in a place where uh, describing what Christ did didn't make any sense to them. So, so I, I served as a general surgeon from the late 70s into the early 00s. And then the Lord called me home to uh, mobilize. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, my name is David Narita. I'm also trained as a family physician. And uh, we served in northwest Cambodia for 13 years. So um, wore a couple different hats, but part of it was doing um, uh, church planting in uh, five rural villages uh, in that northwest part of the country. Um, and then also doing some faculty development program at a, a local uh, pediatric residency program. So... Um, we came up with uh, four questions to, to sort of kick ourselves off. So um, we'll all take turns answering these questions. And then, but we did want to leave some time for questions and answers at the end, uh, just because we realized that you, you might have some specific questions uh, about our context and, and how things played out. So these are the questions that we have. What is healthcare missions and what makes it unique and attractive? Why did Jesus heal? How did you see healthcare missions contribute to the development of the church in your context? And how can we inspire and resource our churches and agencies to be more involved in healthcare missions? Okay, so the first question what is healthcare missions and what makes it unique and attractive? Talk about the origins of um, healthcare missions, and it, uh, the origin really goes back to the first three chapters in Genesis. In Genesis 1, we see God creating the heavens and the earth. And then um, 
fashioning the earth and creation over the first six days to prepare the way for the coming of man. And God created man in his own image, providing the dignity, providing um, relationship and uh, creativity within the life of human beings. And we read more about that in a different framework, different context in Genesis 2. And we see a paradise, what we've used the word shalom to describe. There was peace, there was harmony, there were relationships. And these honored God. And then we move to the saddest chapter of the Bible, Genesis 3, where man rebelled, Adam and Eve sinned. They turned their backs on God's in essence. They rebelled against God's will. And we find ourselves in the aftermath of Genesis 3. We live in the aftermath of Genesis 3. So in a sense, we are part of God's story of redemption, of restoration, of reconciliation. And that's where, that's where we, um, we see many aspects of healing throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I think we'll come to Jesus. Shall I move right on? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. So I think that um, to kind of talk a little bit about some of the unique things about about healthcare missions is uh, again my experience is more of in a creative access context, um, and so in, in in that situation, um, just thinking about the different organizations we work with and and the sites that we started, I would say most, if not all, of our sites. Were actually started because of a healthcare project, um, and it's because in in that context, especially working with local officials or working with working with government departments, it's something that people can understand. It's easy to understand. It's not that difficult to transfer over. And so, uh, oftentimes, we're asked to go to places that where there's where there's less resources, and uh, and those tend to be places where there's uh, more, more of the unreached or less, or, or, or less reached people groups and intensive areas where they're, um, again, just economically the more difficulty. So those are the areas that the governments actually invite us to go into. And as we start with, with health care projects, um, as those projects go and hopefully as there's some results and some success in treating the people there, um, uh, there's trust that's developed, and we've seen that happen over and over again. And as that trust is developed, then they're open to other you know, community development or agriculture or education or other projects that are, that are going on. And then oftentimes surrounding communities hear about it and we get further invitations or the government officials will say, okay, that, that worked, let's try you guys in another, another place. And so we've seen that in, with healthcare, it's, it's opened a lot of doors for us and expanded opportunity to, to move into um, otherwise difficult to, to get inroads into communities. Mm. So the next question is, why did Jesus heal? So, Dave, you want to start off with that one? Um, I think just listening to Dr. Florence yesterday, it was like, it's, you know, just the, the talks that have already been given, it's like we almost don't have to even go here because it's already been, been, been talked and you guys are all here. But we just see that this is just what Jesus did, right? It was, there's no separation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in, in his ministry, he preached the kingdom of God. He, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons, and there's, if you look at throughout the Gospels, you see that's what Jesus did. Um, I think just just one comment, and um, you know, we 
in in uh, in First John, um, we we see this interesting description of of the Apostle John as he talks about the Word of Life, and he says this: He says that which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the Word of Life. And so I think we often think about in our as you proclaim the word of life, it's what we hear. But John talks about is this is what we've heard, what we've seen, what we've touched with our hands. This is concerning the word of life. Um, and if we look in the Cape Town commitment. Oh, shoot. Went to sleep. Went to sleep, sorry. Yeah, just, just read this uh, one short paragraph. Um, in section 10, the <laughs> second part of that, of the Cape Town Commitment, it says, Integral mission is proclamation and demonstration of the gospel. It is not simply that evangelism and social involvement are to be done alongside each other. Rather, in integral mission, our proclamation has social consequences as we call people to love and repentance in all areas of life. And our social involvement has evangelistic consequences as we bear witness to the transforming grace of Jesus Christ. If we ignore the world, we betray the word of God, which sends us out to serve the world. If we ignore the word of God, we have nothing to bring the world. If we look at Matthew, <coughs> if we look at the end of Matthew uh, chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, Jesus went through all the villages. This is a summary of his Galilean ministry. He went through all the villages. He taught in their synagogues. He preached. He proclaimed the kingdom. And he healed every disease among them. He saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. And we'd like to focus on the compassion. Because that's the aspect of Jesus' ministry that was, continu- was continued after biblical times. We see Jesus healing a man born blind, and then when the man came back to find Jesus, he said, don't go and sin again. And after, uh, he re- after he healed another, he said, this is also for judgment for those who don't believe me, because the Pharisees were saying, we're not blind, and they're saying, you are blind uh, because you don't believe. So we see Jesus healing because of his concern and compassion for people, We see him inaugurating the kingdom of God. And then when we read toward the end of uh, John's gospel, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So I think this, this shows that Jesus was healing at a human level. He said the body is important. He combined the body, mind, soul, and spirit to give it that kind of unity. And um, he also wanted to show that he himself was sent by God the Father. Why did Jesus heal? I think um, something that Neil brought up with the lepers, um, I think a lot of times when people are suffering, whether it's physical suffering emotional suffering they they can't see God clearly um, you know their focus is on maybe their pain maybe their 
sense of, of fate, you know, that they're trapped in this, why wasn't I born healthy? Why was, um, why is my kid sick? Why do I have cancer? You know, why was I born as a Cambodian, not as an American? You know, they're, 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 um, um, their minds are, are on that and they're not really seeing God clearly. Sometimes they might even think, well, God doesn't see me or God doesn't love me uh, because he's allowed these things in my life. Whereas um, healthcare missions can bring in healing to those parts of their lives, like the lepers in Manoram, so that they could see past that and then they could see God more clearly. Um, so I think it really is so integral to the gospel, um, what Jesus does. Yeah, any other things you want to add to that? Okay, the next um, question is, how do you see healthcare missions, or how did you see healthcare missions contribute to the development of the church in your context? And one of the reasons why we're asking this question is we really want people to be able to envision uh, themselves or maybe part of their organization uh, getting involved in healthcare missions. So we want to try to give you guys different, um, these different contexts of, of what healthcare looked like. So for for uh, my family, we were in northwest Cambodia working with these five villages which had uh, just an infant Christian witness in them. And for us, one of the biggest things that we wanted was for those Christians to have an identity, a new identity, and for people to, to see what the Christians were doing and say, ah, a Christian is somebody who, and we wanted them to say who cares. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who is willing to... Um, put their own comforts aside and, and reach out to comfort and to love other people and to help people to live that full abundant life that, that Christ offers us. Um, there's an idea called uh, health promoting churches that the world council of churches have been, um, they've had for, for quite a while now. And they say that um, a church is a place of education, of action of advocacy and empowerment. So education, action, advocacy, and empowerment. And that's what we really, we really sought to, to um, help these little fledgling churches become, is, is a place where people, um, people well, were educated about the gospel, about health, um, but then we actually put that into action. We put the gospel into action. We put those health ideas into action. And, um, and ultimately empower them that way. So I just wanted to give you some ideas of like the types of things that we did, and, and it's not exhaustive. Um, um, yeah, I, I think there's so many different ideas depending on, on what your context is. But, um, but you know, we, we really wanted the, the church, the believers, to be um, engaged in their community, put into positions where they're in deeper um, interaction or relationship with their community um, so that they could begin having these conversations about what it means to have faith in Christ. So one of those projects was a water filter project. Um, it was diarrheal disease, um, as it is through the, through the world, is, is one of the number one killers in uh, rural Cambodia. So um, it was a... a, a um, issue that was recognized by the village chief and the, and the villagers themselves. 
So we partnered with them to, um, to bring water filters into, into the village. Um, and the way that we did that was we had uh, the church pastor go to each uh, home and say, we're going to buy, uh, we're going to bring up some water filters. Would your family want to, um, would buy one? And we made it so that it was the cost of about one fish. It was rainy season, so the fish were more abundant then. So we made it affordable for everybody. And, um, and they were able to explain a little bit about the water filters and clean water. Um, but then they said, but, you know, the Bible says that, um, that Jesus is living water. Uh, and we're going to have a Bible study at, at our home. And if you want to come and find out more about that, you can. So everybody in the village was able to have uh, an invitation to uh, study the Bible. And then after we delivered the water filters, we did a follow-up study just to see the impact that that had on diarrheal disease, which was phenomenal. But then again, another follow-up uh, um, Invitation uh, to to join a Bible study in the in the village. Um, we also did some workshops. We did workshops uh, addressing um, hand washing and deworming, uh, how to raise their livestock, how to use fertilizers, uh, how to plant different vegetables. And again, it was trying to to help the village live their best life. You know that God desires for them, and to be introduced to. Um, the, the savior of their souls. Uh, in areas where there's higher literacy rates, uh, some of our friends paired uh, a simple health lesson with a Bible devotion. So, um, you know, in the devotional, they might be reading about what foods have high iron in it uh, to fight anemia, but then um, learn what it means to be a new creation in Christ. And they found that these, because of that health lesson, they were getting passed around through the, through the markets and people were reading those and they were saving them. Um, but they also had the opportunity to, to learn more about Christ through that. And we actually uh, translated um, the book Where There's No Doctor into Cambodian so that some of these health lessons would be more available to people and they can, um, people could share this practical health advice um, with uh, simple biblical truths. So uh, there's uh, the group Medical Ambassadors um, that developed this CHE uh, Community Health Evangelism, and they have a lot of these lessons available as well. But it's that, that idea of um, empowering the church um, through health, but health in the broad sense, um, physical health and spiritual health. To go back to the um, example in central Thailand that David in introduced at the very beginning, the uh, leaders of OMF felt that in, a, in an area in Buddhist Thailand uh, where the gospel would be difficult to comprehend, let's present um, a medical ministry as well where they would not only hear, as I mentioned before, the gospel, but they could see it in practice. Um, so that meant that the uh, cl clinics were started and they saw that there was a great need. And then the great need in the clinics and with no hospitals nearby, uh, the need for a small hospital. And at that hospital, 
it would be able to provide appendectomies or um, cesarean sections for women with difficulty in labor. And then, um, as mentioned, a lot of leprosy patients showed up and uh, the surgeons by that time had learned that they could uh, repair claw hand by, with tendon techniques so that they could grasp again. And uh, in the midst of all this, with so many leprosy patients, they developed a kind of a community where they could support each other. And a number of them came to be Christians because of the compassion, because of the concern shown for them in their lives. And then not only uh, saw them regain dignity as individuals, but as a community, they found out that they had skills. They had skills before, like musical skills. And so uh, this leprosy community in this small village in, in central Thailand was actually the origin of uh, indigenous Thai um, uh, worship songs and hymns. And so we really see almost, um, just the growth of people that have been ostracized to serving the community, serving God, and then actually ha uh, serving the, whole, the church throughout Thai, uh, Thailand. So I think this is a great way in which medical medical missions, healthcare missions, and uh, the effort to plant the church really uh, combine uh, very, very well. Just on that question before, what um, legacy does Monorum leave in terms of? Yeah. Um, there was a, a survey was done in the mid-1970s, and they found out um, of all the people who were in churches in central Thailand at that time, half of the people had heard about God first at a mission hospital or a clinic in the area. And, I mean, even now there's, only, there's still only about 1% Christians in Thailand, um, but that number has been growing, and I think that the, uh, the church and the three hospitals, two in the central and one in the south, were part of that foundation of growth, and we see the... I think we see the Thai church doubling about every, uh, about every six years now. Yeah, one of the things when we were in Cambodia, one of our teammates um, was um, the pharmacist at Monorum Hospital, and he became a Christian through the ministry there, uh, uh, developed a heart for missions while um, at that hospital, and then spent um, after... Um, Bible school came to Cambodia and uh, was part of the, the missionary team in Cambodia, and that came from that hospital as well. They were part of our focus on the Asian missionary movement to see not just missionaries taking the gospel and development into Thailand, but see Thai catch the vision to do the same thing themselves, yeah. and Narin was just an amazing example yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, we... we enter uh, a site or a location or a place where we have explored and prayed for opportunities for ministry and we go in with, a, with an idea, with a strategy, an entry strategy, uh, hopefully to, to um, bless individuals and families and communities to uh, see people come to faith, to see people start to gather in discipleship and then to have, have that faith community grow. But uh, what we found is that sometimes things don't necessarily go according to plan. Um, and in the process of all these unforeseen things that happen, uh, God does some some really uh, amazing uh, and and uh, you know, unexpected to us, but but wonderful things. Uh, in several of our 
of our sites. Um, you know, we, we had our, 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 uh, our, our foreign workers in there trying to get inroads and, and, and serve people and meet their needs. And in, just because that, you know, we're in these relatively hard-to-reach places, because we were there, um, the, the national church from other locations, some of them from nearby, some of them from quite far away, they kind of hear about it, and they're like, well, if these crazy foreigners can do this, we can do this too. Um, and so it ends up, you know, one of the things that we didn't expect, but uh, just, by, just because of the physical presence of being there, uh, it, it, it helped um, those from the national church see that this is possible. We can, we can be involved and we can be doing this. And so it, it was an encouragement, or I don't know whether it was an encouragement or whether people were shamed into it or whatever the reason was. People were, they were willing to step out and take that, take that next step of faith and, 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 and move to some of these harder-to-reach places. Um, some of our, our colleagues, you know, normally if you, if you start uh, a ministry, you're, you're not going to focus on people uh, that, that, that will die very soon. Um, but uh, we had some colleagues that focused on, on HIV ministry in an area where uh, there was a high incidence of HIV and a lot of people in the villages are dying. And so they started working in this HIV center and they saw um, some, some, some results of the work and they saw people um, you know, being treated and, and uh, their lives prolonged. But they also saw um, people coming to faith. And in the process of seeing people coming to faith, um, uh, a very amazing transformation, you know, began to happen. So to the point where, you know, there were there were um, these other national churches that came in. They, they initially wanted no contact with these patients, but they saw they were coming to faith, so they became involved in this as well. And um, others from that same people group, um, uh, they 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 started. They they saw that. You know, these other churches are coming in, so they started to form their own local NGOs that were willing to help, uh, willing to reach out uh, to the point where some of these patients that had come to faith, uh, they were actually willing to become HIV peer counselors to share their story with others, who, you know, who contracted HIV. And uh, in that, uh, to see this, this transforming thing where nobody wanted to talk about their disease to the point where they're not only willing to talk about it, but to be a peer counselor and extend that blessing to others who are coming into that situation as well. So again, oftentimes, you know, we have our plan, we have we have our steps to enter into the work and the ministry. But but God does these does these unforeseen things uh, that, in the end, we see the same result happening. But again, it, it's it wasn't according to our plan. Yeah, I was just going to share too another one of our teammates um, who's in Northwest Cambodia. He has uh, his ministry is among uh, minority people in that area, and they're in a pretty remote uh, area without a lot of medical care. So uh, one of the things that uh, he and his wife have done is, when as they're going through the different communities, if there's people that are sick, um, he either brings them into the provincial capital or often. Uh, goes down to Phnom Penh, which is, well, gosh, when we first were there, it was probably like an eight or nine hour trip uh, in a small van and um, needed to be able to seek more care. And what they found is over the years, one is that identity that I was talking about before where, where the communities know that Christians are there to help. 
Um, so they so they reach out to um, to Craig and Jenny. But also what they've done is as they they've gone down on these long trips down to Phnom Penh, they've been able to talk to people about their faith. Um, and many of those people have become believers. Um, and then after that, they've been able to disciple people um, in those trips too. So um, I was just talking to Craig, and he's saying that there's two churches that have been started um, just through that ministry of having people um, or traveling with people down to, to receive medical care in, in the capital city. So he happens to be a dentist, but it, you don't even have to have uh, medical training per se to do something like that, but just be willing to be uh, present in those people's lives and to develop those relationships with them. I, th- I, think, yeah. <clears throat> I think one summary of what you're saying, David, is that we found healthcare missions really opens doors because it's very attractive, it's very compelling. Uh, people see things in uh, missionary medical workers that they don't see in their own community, that they don't see in their own family, reaching out and helping other people. So in our own conversations, the opening of a door comes up again and again. Okay, the next question is, how can we inspire and resource our churches and agencies to be more involved in healthcare missions? About 10 years ago, I was, um, uh, I think I was re-retiring from ministry and I was looking for something else to do to um, find significance in life. I was sitting next to Paul Hudson with SIM and I told him, you know, told him I was thinking of all these different kinds of things and he says, well, uh, SIM just started an office for medical mission ad- advocacy a few years ago. So that would have been like 15 or 20 years ago. And I said, so what did you do? And he told me about the networking that he had set up with the doctors throughout SIM, medical people worldwide. And then another guy in their group had found out who in their mission was doing what and where they were doing it. I thought, oh, well, everybody knows that. And then I thought, in OMF, does anybody know who's doing all the medical work and where they're doing it? And the answer is no. So I took on that role, and that was one of my first jobs to find out who were all the medical workers, the healthcare workers throughout OMF in East Asia. And then writing to them and find out who else might have been medical on their field that I didn't even know about. And so the first steps were collecting a database and then writing some of the stories in our internal communications. So I think part of it is calling attention to it, telling some of the stories, and um, let, letting our own leaders know that we see healthcare missions as a priority and a strategy and a way to open doors, even in reaching unreached people groups. I could, um, if I can say a few more things. I just, uh, my wife and I just came back from Africa. And uh, when I got to the conference, it was an AIM, SIM conference in Africa. And I was sitting next to one of the leaders at breakfast the first morning there. And he said, um, why are you here? Thinking that OMF had made a wrong turn because we work in East Asia and they work in Africa. This was an amazing conference of um, 
missionaries and two organizations doing health care, doctors, nurses, other subspecialties, how they can work together better in the countries where they work in Africa. And also, um, they're highly invested in uh, mission hospitals that have done tremendous good over the last century. Um, and, but they're thinking many of these have been turned over to the local denominations and churches. Um, might there be a time when we're not working primarily in hospitals? Not because we're closing them down, but we're finding other ways to serve the Lord through medical missions. And that's basically why they invited me there to tell the kind of stories that David and David were talking about in Cambodia and China. How medical people unassociated with mission hospitals can have input into reaching unreached people groups. And I think that's something that we um, can keep at the top of our to-do list in terms of finding ways to talk to our leaders, writing articles internally, um, and so on. I learned after I got back from uh, Africa that there's a recent article in uh, CCIH that just published it, and religionnews.com published it as well, as to how many medical facilities, there, mission med medical facilities there are in Africa. And this was a report from just 15 countries. But if you had to guess, are there 8 or 80 or 800 or 8,000 medical facilities? What would you guess? There were over 8,300 medical facilities, uh, 1,200 hospitals, mission hospitals, uh, over 6,000 clinics, and then there were um, some community development centers regarding uh, health care, and then some uh, pharmaceutical. So 8,300, this is the contribution that Christians, after, it's a broad definition, but Christians have made in the subcontinent of Africa, and that's only 15 countries, so there's a lot more. So that's what mission hospitals have done, but we, I think we're seeing the day where we're broadening the scope of what medical missions and medical people can do around the world. Yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah, I don't, we wanted to throw that out to, uh, to all of you. What are some of the things that you've seen that's helped your agencies or your churches understand healthcare missions more? Um, we'd love to hear from people. Or if people have questions also, um, we'd love to uh, feel, yeah, field some of those as well. Yeah. Yeah, it might be easier if you come up. Thanks. Um, I work in a country with creative access, as you will. Um, and I always struggle with how to integrate this into our team. We don't necessarily do health care, but some social work related to it. Um, how do you do that with a team? Like, what kind of uh, requirements do you put on team members? Are they required to be part of the missions part? Or do you have also secular team members? How does that play out in that kind of context? Um, yeah, so uh, um, I guess in a creative access context where there's um, a lot of 
people watching. <laughs> um, it's, I think we always come back to relationship, right? So, so whether, you know, whatever your role is, you know, whatever, whatever, that, whatever our identity, you know, going with a clear identity of, of who you are, what you do, uh, and that um, there's always, there's always the, the relationship that goes on, um, whether it's part of the work or outside of the work or in work and out of the work, but, but that's, it all becomes very, very, very integrated. Um, one thing that we discovered was that um, we're always, the people are always kind of watching. And so there's a couple of responses to being watched. One is you can kind of resent it and try to hide away and, and, and just get away from, from prying eyes, whatever they might be. But the other way is to think about, well, this is an opportunity. Uh, people are watching. Let's, let's just live life. And so in the process of, 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 living, of living life, again, we're living out a gospel that people can see and hear and touch. Um, and so, um, yeah, so regardless of what our role is, that, that life that happens continues to be an ongoing expression of the good news of Jesus Christ in all its fullness. You know, and we try to emphasize all the fullness of, of the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. I think one of the things that David emphasized in his example was in a, in a team thrust like that working in villages, uh, one of the first things that David did was to find who the leaders were and ask them what they, what they thought they needed. What were their problems? Was it diarrhea? Was it high blood pressure? Uh, what would be particular needs in the area that this team could then focus on and begin to build relationships? Yeah, I'm just reminded. I, I mean, Cambodia isn't a create, creative access nation, so it's hard to, for me to even imagine what ministry might look like. Um, but I do have a colleague who is in another uh, creative access country that has a, a recognized national church. And she uh, developed a um, palliative care end-of-life program that she taught her church members um, how to go into homes where people were... Um, at end of life and be able to minister the, to them um, and, you know, potentially uh, share the gospel, uh, at least pray with them uh, in, the, in that context. And that has been reproduced through uh, at least a second uh, location in that country now. So it's, um, um, again, I don't understand all the intricacies of that, but but if there is some freedoms, um, if there's intentionality, we can use that to, uh, to share the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, other questions? Do you want to go? So I'm sure this question varies country by country, but um, putting ourselves in the shoes of local believers, when they see a healthcare institution that's Christian, they generally assume that it, it, it treats everyone, right? That it's what we could say interdenominational. But when it comes to promoting church planting, um, churches 
usually tend to be more than just Christian, they also belong to a denomination. And then you run into these problems of um, cooperating. It's easier for Christians, I think, to cooperate in a healthcare institution than it is maybe to cooperate <clears throat> on a church planting strategy because they need the churches to belong to their group, which they don't always feel that way about the healthcare institution. So I just wondered if you have any guidance or how does a, a healthcare institution want to further church planting but avoid being trapped in denominational turf battles? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I know like in Cambodia, there are several agencies that came together that formed Mercy Medical uh, Center. And people here might know about it. Uh, It's a uh, world team, OMF, uh, IMB, Pioneers. um, And it's a a non-denominational type of of endeavor. So they have... um, a follow-up team for people that were at the hospital. Um, they'll visit them in their villages and um, and try to start Bible studies and things like that. And as far as I know, it's a it's a completely non-denominational, um, you know, just an evangelical uh, alliance that way. Um, and I don't think that's unique. Um, so the, those churches, once they're formed, I don't think they would they would join a specific uh, denomination, um, you know, unless they, they chose to. Um, Steve, uh, Steve in, in Thailand, the hospital itself didn't continue to have um, an undue influence over churches. There was a church where the hospital was. A lot of the other churches that had been started just um, grew on their own where they were. In time, over maybe 20 years in Thailand, uh, OMF had no, no desire to start a new denomination, but the churches themselves desired fellowship with each other. And so then the... Um, yeah, I forget, I forget what the name is, but there was a fellowship of OMF churches throughout uh, Thailand not to create a denomination, but to allow uh, believers to relate to each other across uh, provincial lines and from north to south and that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what we did. But I would think it would depend on the context, too. Yeah. Yeah. Any other, other questions that people have? Okay, well, maybe uh, I'll just wrap up a little bit. Um, yeah, our main, our main intention, again, is to, to help people to, to see that you can do it. <laughs> you know that within your agencies, um, it, healthcare missions doesn't mean, you know, starting a hospital or having a whole uh, medical team together, or there, it doesn't have to be a specific, um, a specific model. But it really just begins in each of us wanting to use the gifts that God's given us, the passion that he's given us, to to reach out and to to carry the gospel with that. Um, And um, 
hopefully that as we share our stories, uh, we'd encourage each other. Um, we'd spread some of those ideas that we have um, on what's, what's worked well, um, what some creative ideas are, what works good in certain contexts. Um, but also hopefully it will inspire our organizations and our churches to just see the, the breadth and the uh, opportunity that healthcare missions represents. Um, so let me um, close this in prayer. Uh, Dave and Neil and I will be up here afterwards, but I'll just close this in prayer. And again, uh, there was a little handout that we, they, we passed out. Um, it, um, there's some, a website that links to some of our stories with our organization there. Um, but it just gives a little model that, um, that we've used within our organization to try to help uh, church planters or our, our um, organizational leadership to understand where healthcare missions fits within their, their field strategies. So um, I hope you can use that as well. But let me, um, let me close this in prayer. Father God, you are good. Um, you are so merciful to us and so loving, giving us this opportunity to, um, to use the gifts and abilities, the talents, the passions that we have um, to see people come to wholeness, wholeness physically, wholeness spiritually. And I just pray that for the people here um, in this larger conference that we would... Um, be your light, that we would be uh, your hands and feet to this, to this uh, hurting world, Lord. Help us to, um, to carry your gospel faithfully in our actions, in our words. Lord, help us to know how to best communicate um, this, um, this message, uh, be it to uh, the people that we're reaching um, be it to um, our supporters or our agencies. We thank you again for all that you do for us. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks, everybody.